0: We hope you're encouraged by today's message.
1: 13. Is there any other than my, my grandson here, but he doesn't get it, okay? So I'm just warning. So all emails that come after this warning, all right, I will disregard. Let's just say that, okay? I'm just letting you know. Warning. Um, I, sorry, Chris, don't get mad at me. So we, we, are, we are in this fear of God today. That's what we're talking about, the fear of the Lord. And, and when we talk about eating the fruit, we're asking the question, who's eating the fruit when they see the fear of God in your life? What might that look like? Let's, let's look at this Proverbs scripture real quick. If you have your Bibles, great. If not, Proverbs 2, 1 through 6 says this, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, Turning your ear to wisdom and implying your heart to understand understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Let, let me pray before we get going any further. Father, I thank you that, that God, you are wisdom. God, I I pray that you would give us a picture of what this means, the fear of the Lord. God, that we would be a people that would walk in the healthy fear of, of you. And God, give us eyes to see. Put everything that I have to say aside, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what does Proverbs tell us here in Proverbs 2? It says this. It's real clear. I mean, there's no gray areas here. When talking about the fear of the Lord, it says, store my commandments within you, turn your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding, call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, look for it as silver, and search for it as hidden treasure. There's no, like, it's, it's real clear if you can read and you understand those concepts. And it says this, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It's this interesting issue that I have, and I'm going to generalize here, okay? So I'm uh, absolutely not talking about you. Okay? You guys all right? This has nothing to do with you. Although the Bible says the church, you know who the church is? You. Okay. But it's not about you. Here's the issue with the fear of the Lord in the church today. This is why the church across America, we don't see this mm, strong going forward, and I'm generalizing, just conviction-bound group of people. Here's the problem. There is none. You know what the problem with the fear of the Lord in the church is today? There is none. I'm generalizing. I'm obviously not talking about you. There is none. That's why when we look out into the church in America today, we go, why isn't culture a little more changed. Now, obviously, there is some. Um, you know, it's a hyperbole. I'm making a big point. But, but there's something wrong in my life, your life, our life as church members that is keeping us from this. Let's, let's dive into it a little bit here. So the Proverbs, this 2, 1 through 6, there's two key words in this scripture. It's if and then if and then. It's this clause that that Jesus gives us. And and many times in this Bible, we see this if and then clause. If you do this, then this will happen. If you live your life this way, then this will happen. And many times as Christians, we go, why isn't this happening? And God goes, well, there's this if and then clause, and and you, you don't really grab a hold of the if. Therefore, the then does not work out. If you do this, then this will happen. Let me Let me give you a a, a little picture and go a little bit deeper here. It says, if you store up my commandments within you, if you turn your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding, call out for insight, if you cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as silver, search for it as hidden treasure, then, then, at that point, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. See, the church is running around and we say things like, God, I can't find a husband or I can't find a wife. God, why, why, why do I keep making the same mistakes over? Why don't you listen to me, God? Why don't you hear what I'm saying? Why don't you answer my prayers? Why don't you help me? God, why do I continue to stay in my sin? And, and, and if we don't apply this if and then clause to it, then things don't change. See, it says, if I store up the commands, my commands in your word, what are the commands? It says, no other gods. It says, no other idols. It says, keep the Sabbath holy. Do not use the Lord's name in vain. It says, honor your father and mother. It says, don't murder. It says, don't commit adultery. It says, don't steal. It says, don't lie and don't covet. That's pretty good. I was worried about it. All 10, if you're a accountant. The statistic that I read this week was crazy. It said this, more people could recite the ingredients on a Big Mac to all be patty, special sauce, lettuce, cup, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun than the Ten Commandments. More people, this is the other one it said in, in surveying all these people, more people knew the names of the Brady Bunch, Greg, Marsha, Peter, Jan, Cindy, and Bobby. Oh, you know... Give me the Ten Commandments. <laughs> More people know the names of the Brady Bunch than they do the Ten Commandments. Yet it, it, it says, if, if you store up my commandments in you, then you will have understanding in the fear of the Lord. It says, turn in your ear to wisdom. Proverbs 3, 5 says, says this. It says, don't trust in your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. It says, I I can't trust in my own understanding, but I've got to trust in the Lord. It says, if you apply your heart to understanding, the Bible says very clearly that we're saved by grace through faith, that no man should boast. Yet we have this group of Christians that's constantly trying and striving to do something to get God's approval. And he says, no, 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 no. If you apply your heart to understanding, you'll realize the day that you come into relationship with me is the day that your sins are washed away you cry aloud for understanding, they're they're just, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. If you cry aloud and when you look at this word and you go, oh, God, what does that mean? I need a word for my life. Oh, God, what does this word mean? Everything's falling apart. If you cry aloud and you go, God, please, I need your mercy. And then you look for it as silver and gold. And you dig through the scripture and you get up in the morning and say, I'm not leaving until God speaks to me. And you grab a hold of the truth of his word. And you search for it as though there's this hidden treasure right in the middle of it that just might, that just might clean the coffee off the floor. Here I am. <laughs> if you search for it as hidden treasure, you just might find the answer to your pain, to your selfishness you might find the answer to your hopelessness. See, the Bible says if you do this, then then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. And you'll find the knowledge of God. And we have this whole church They want the knowledge of God. Eh, Maybe they don't even want the knowledge of God. Maybe they don't even really want to know who God is. But they want God as a mistress. You know what that means? It's the one you call upon when you need something to be satisfied in your life. That's a mistress. And we have this church that's looking for a mistress and calling him God to answer the tough times in my life. And God goes, if you'll just store up my commandments if you just cry out, I'm here. I'm here. And I'll unlock the door. And I'll show, I'll reveal myself to you in great ways. And most of us have to learn that in a difficult way. That's me. I'm talking about me. Most of us learn this through hardship. Most of us learn this when things are down and out, when things are going south. But I'm telling you, you don't have to. You don't have to. You absolutely don't have to. See, when I walk in the fear of God, and I say, I can't find a wife or a husband, or I can't find a date or whatever, God says, I will show you. I will literally speak to you when that person comes across your path. If you'll seek and ask, why do I keep making mistakes? God says, I will give you the power to overcome your mistakes. If you'll just search my word, and you'll just allow it to sit in your soul, Why don't you listen to me, God? Why don't you hear me? He says, I hear you. I hear you. But you've got to cry out. God, why don't you help me? You never really asked. You thought I was a genie in the bottle. And then if you just rub the bottle, you can have whatever you want. You never cried out and asked. God, why do I stay in my sin? Why won't you deliver me? I will deliver you if you allow my word to sit in your soul. It is this then-if covenant that God gives us. And we wonder why church struggles, why we struggle, why I struggle. 6.59, does anybody know what 6.59 is? No, you don't. Oh, you read the notes, that doesn't count. 6.5. 6.5. You know, when I, when I started uh, studying this week, and I'm reading all these theological understanding of the fear of the Lord, and I'm reading Piper, and I'm reading the Gospel Coalition, and all of this stuff, and I've literally spent hours of writing, and writing, and writing, and it's all this theological deep stuff. And, 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 and yesterday at like 4, I'm like, this isn't good. I mean, it's good, it's a word of God, but this isn't what you've called me to preach today because everybody will be sleeping and not have to go like that to keep you awake if I really gave the message that I wrote originally. <laughs> 6.59 is what changed my mind. I was reading an article and it said this, that 6.59 million people will be watching The Bachelorette Think about this: six point five or six point five nine. Actually, excuse me. Watched it the last, the last Bachelorette. Anybody watch it? You guys don't want to confess. You guys are all liars. I don't watch it usually. Six point five million. This one, this week, Monday night, they're saying we'll blow that that away. There'll be seven, eight million people watching the Bachelorette. What does that have to do with the fear of God? I'm about to tell you. (laughs) Who's eating your fruit? See, because 6.59 people watched The Bachelorette and they ate this. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. A bruised, oh, terrible tasting, I'm gonna need that water. <laughs> Banana. Who's eating your fruit? Someone is always eating your fruit. And in the bachelorette, actually, it's not the bachelor, the bachelorette, 6.5 million ate the fruit. See, here's where, in the bachelorette, I don't know if anybody watched it, of course I didn't, I heard about it on the radio, Um, this woman, Hannah, said this, I had sex in a windmill and Jesus still loves me. She makes this confession to 6.5 million people. And and, and there's 6.5 million people are eating every word that is said. And all of a sudden, they eat this rotten fruit. And you go, well, you know, whatever. You know, they ate the rotten fruit. No, no, no. This woman says, I'm a Christian. Now, before you get all, you know, uptight and self-righteous and religious, I mean, go, how are you picking on this woman? Look, I'm picking on all of us. She just happened to want to put it on a TV show with 6.5 million people to see my junk, see her junk. Look, we could put your junk up there and it'd be just as fun to talk about, especially some of you that I know. (laughs) She says this to 6.5 million. I had sex in a windmill and Jesus still loves me. Something is amiss. Hannah Brown describes herself as the woman of faith and was even on camera praying for God to help her choose the right man. Now, if you don't know the premise of the show, does everybody know the premise of the show is this? A girl or a guy, depends on the bachelor or bachelorette, the bachelorette, a girl goes on the show, 30 men come on the show, and the whole goal is to date them all and figure out which one just might be her husband. That's, okay, that's, that's the goal of the show. So we've already started off, and I, I, I honestly um, I don't watch it. I have watched parts of it. I'm just I'm, my wife. I I can't answer for her or other people. <laughs> Look at how mad I'm in trouble now. Um, <laughs> Uh, but when this one caught me. But she's, she describes herself as, as this Christian. And, the, and the, the, the TV, they love sensationalizing. They love grabbing a hold of it. And she's praying. She's like, God, which one of them? Help me make the decision about which of these 30 men I should marry. <laughs> <laughs> Things still, they, they start to really unravel at this point And she pulls out her theology. And she says this. Now, l- let me clarify again. Let me clarify again, okay? God bless her, and I'm praying. I, you know, most of us sitting in front of a camera would have terrible theology. A lot of us would have, if you're there, you're going to have terrible theology. This is what she says to the guy that, that she's talking to. What's the guy's name? What? Oh, no, not Chris. The guy that she, she shamed, or it was... Luke. Everyone who answered that, we now know you watch the show. (laughs) It was a trick question. I knew Luke's name. (laughs) She says this, quote, you know the story. This is after, you know, she had talked about, you know, I had sex in a windmill but Jesus still loves me. She says this. You know the story in the Bible when the woman was caught in adultery and she was thrown into the village and Jesus is there and is like, you without sin throw the first stone. What you did She's talking to this guy. What you did, holding your stone up at me and asking me and trying to see what I've done. I know that I have God in my heart. I know that everything that I do and who I am is light. I am light. I do make mistakes. I'm not Jesus. Probably the most sound theological statement she makes. I am not Jesus. So she, she makes this statement. Let's look at the, the, the real story from a theological stance, what it really says in John 8. She wasn't that far off, but she, she kind of missed it. It says this, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. They said to Jesus, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law, Moses, commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? Now they're trying to trick Jesus because the law does say cotton adultery. This woman is up. Just a picture. I've preached on this before. This woman's up in the room. These Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus. So much so, religious leaders grab a woman out of the middle of whatever she was doing with this guy and pull her down and throw her right in the middle of the square. She's, they don't say if she's completely naked or what she's wearing, but I'm telling you, she's humiliated because they pull her out of her room and put her right in the square. And here's Jesus. They say, teacher, this woman's been caught. Now the law says, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This, they said to test him, that he might have some charges to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote in, with his finger in the ground, and they continued to ask him. He stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. He goes on, and it says this, at once, at, and once more he bent down, and wrote in the ground. But when they had heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no, no one. Go from now on and sin no more. That's what she was quoting. I, I, I want to show you what the fear of God really looks like. Because this is an incredible picture. And again, I've preached on it before, but the word according to Hannah Brown versus the word of God. This woman, this adulterous woman in the story that Jesus is telling, has a real encounter with God. She really comes smack face to face with Jesus. And she's standing right in the middle of the fear of the Lord. See, Jesus says, he is without sin, cast the first stone. Then what does it say? They all started thinking. Now there's a whole thing about what did Jesus write in the sand and was he writing their sins and that's why they dropped their rocks and ran off. I don't know. We don't know that to be true. That would be, you know, putting in what we don't know for sure, but it very well could be. But all of a sudden they start dropping the rocks and they start heading for the door. They start leaving. Now think about this. They all leave, and it's Jesus and this woman who's half naked, having been pulled out of an adulterous relationship moments before. What does she do? What does she do? She stands there. When's the last time you were caught in your sin, caught in your junk, and you just stood before God and looked him in the eyes? You know what our nature is? It's to hit that door and run. To get out of there. Because shame hits you. Because uh, conviction, not conviction, but guilt hits you. All these things hit you. They hit us and we run for the door. But this woman has this encounter with Jesus that's so powerful. She's willing to lay bare before him. Stand bare before him. See, the fear of the Lord is an awe. Look, I know I'm a sinner. The Bible says that there's no one righteous, not even one. It's the fear of the Lord is an awe. Jesus had every right to condemn this woman. He has every right to condemn me. I am guilty. But his eyes. See, there, there's something piercing about the eyes of Jesus that go deep into your soul. I don't know what color his eyes were. Maybe they are green, but I can imagine. Have you ever seen someone with those piercing eyes? I, I can imagine the eyes of, of Jesus looking into the soul of this woman as she's standing bare, and she's not running because she has this encounter. And the fear of God is this encounter that says, look, I could run or I could stand right in the middle of this situation believing in God's mercy that it'll... The way that God will deal with my life is through His grace and mercy. There was something in his eyes that she could see, that kept her from bolting. There was something in her, his eyes that she could see His mercy. Yet much of the church has never experienced that. That's why we run. It's why we, we, we don't understand. This fear of God. Now l- l- let me, generalizing. Dear Lord, let me not set myself up as something that I'm not. Because this isn't always me. I like to run for the door. Yep. I'm good. I'm actually pretty quick for an old broken down man. I can get to that door. But my hope is this, that when I understand the fear of God, that I, I-, I would stand right in his presence and I would see his mercy in his eyes. Knowing full well that what I deserve is hell. Knowing full well that my sin should send me to hell, but God doesn't. He sends his son. See, Jesus calls us to show mercy to a sinner. Jesus didn't call for the adulterer's death. Instead, he called for mercy. Now, this is the question we've got to ask. Does Jesus do this because uh, he mercifully overlooks our sin? You know, he's just like, ah, that's no big deal. No. Jesus does this not to overlook our sin. Rather, Jesus did not condemn her because he knew he would soon die on the cross for her sin. (laughs) He doesn't condemn her because he knows he's going to the cross and that her sins can be forgiven. Just like yours. Just like mine. And, 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 and Hannah, in her, 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 her meta, broad was right on the money. Jesus loves her. There just needs to be a separation between I had sex in the windmill, yeah. a bit of time, run over here. Hey, you know what? Jesus loves me. And the step in between there is, oh God, have mercy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had sex in the windmill. Oh God, I made a mistake. Have mercy. I thank you for your love. We missed a few steps in that whole transition. And she's right. God's mercy is good and it's great and, and, and I, I embrace it and I need it for my life because I'm a sinner. But her understanding is wrong. Not unlike many of us and much of the church today. The second thing we see that is so important in this story is that Jesus calls sinners to repent It is love when Jesus says, repent. It is God's love when he says, go and sin no more. It is Jesus' heart when he says to you, you don't have to live in that lifestyle. You don't have to live in that sin. You don't have to be bound up by it. It doesn't have to own you. It doesn't have to direct you and lead you. Go and sin no more. When Hannah, I added in there, you and me, cite this passage, we like to mention the mercy part but often overlook Jesus' command to go and sin no more. See, Jesus delights in extending mercy, but his mercy ought to move us to repentance it's got to push us to repentance. See, if this story was told in the church today, if, if, if it was in the context of, of, of what was going on today and what we see with a lot of the church and, and this, this lack of the fear of the Lord, you know, when Jesus said to the woman, he said, now go and sin no more, the woman would have said, come on, Jesus, stop slut-shaming me. That's what they would have said. Jesus said, go and sin no more. Have you guys heard that word, slut-shame? It's like a big thing in the dictionary now. No? That, that's what the words she used to this guy. Let me time out here. This guy, he's on this show. I mean, he's got to be a nutbag just being on the show anyways. But at least he had the conviction. He's like, he is literally asking her. He's, he, it's the final four or something like that. Four guys left. And they, they go into the fantasy suite. And apparently that's... The windmill? I don't know. But, 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 but this last guy has enough of Jesus in him where he goes, hey, you know, that whole sleeping with guys, you know, if this marriage thing could work with me and you, did, can I ask you, did you sleep with those other guys? To which she's like, stop slut-shaming me. Jesus loves me. Not only that, the place erupts. The crowd thinks it's the right thing to do. See, the fear of the Lord breaks your heart over your sin. When I'm walking in the fear of God, there's a quick repentance and a brokenness and a hurt and a heaviness that is conviction. When I'm not walking in the fear of the Lord and I'm walking in my own strength and I'm not in that word, I'm not seeking for it as silver and gold and, and looking for the knowledge of God, I'm walking in who I am. When sin comes, I run for the door. The fear of the Lord demands humility and repentance. Oh God, forgive me. I don't care if that means 10 times in a row or 100 times in a row because all of us wrestle through our sin. But repentance comes with humility. And the fear of the Lord is this position of of humility and repentance and God's grace moving right in and forgiving you. See, when you miss that step, oh, I had sex in a windmill. Jesus loves me. It makes grace so cheap. It's, uh, Jesus died on a cross for me. He gave everything for me. When you miss that middle step, it cheapens the whole grace aspect of this relationship with God. Fear of the Lord demands humility and repentance. 6.59 million people after hammer, Hannah, see, I knew his name, hammered Luke. She sent him home. So after this whole conversation took place of him wanting to know that maybe if you're my future wife, did you sleep with the other guys? Because I'm not sure that's what I want in a woman. And she, you know, reacts the way the crowd cheers. The, the, the studio audience Cheers. And the Internet is is hailing Hannah, I I read these articles because I wanted to research, as a model of true Christian virtue. She has been applauded for standing up for her freedom to do what she wants with her body and not let a man slut shame her for her mistakes. Oh God, have mercy, we're so twisted oh God, have mercy, I'm so twisted. It's not just about Hannah. It's about you and me. And in our own theology, we like to twist it with our own sin. And God says, you've got to walk in the fear of the Lord. You've got to walk in this place of humility. You've got to walk in this place of, of, of just repentance. And the world cheers. Now we like to sit up here on a Sunday morning and, and, and judge. It's a whole nother sermon of righteous judgment and non-judgment. But the reality is this. I'm, I'm not talking about Hannah. I'm talking about me. She's just an easy picture because she put herself on a dang show that I get to watch on TV. But I'm Hannah. You're Hannah. But I, I Somewhere in there, she tells the story, I, I want to be like the woman who was pulled out of adultery, though. I want to look Jesus in his eyes. And I want the shame to go away. I want the pain to go away. And I, I, I want him to look at me, and I want him to say, when I repent, you're forgiven. And I want to walk away from that encounter with my Lord and Savior, and there be no shame, no guilt. But, but holding my head up high in the power of the Holy Spirit because of what God did in my life. So that someone might not have to eat that crappy fruit of my life, but they would eat a sweet fruit, a fruit of forgiveness, a fruit of hope, a fruit of love, a fruit of mercy, the fruit of, of kindness that God has called us all to walk in. Again, Hannah's Theologically correct statement, I'm not Jesus. I'm not being Jesus. It doesn't give us an excuse to treat sin flippantly. It just doesn't. I'm not Jesus. Christians are forgiven. You like that bump sticker? I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. Shut up. Just take that damn sticker off. You just flipped me off. Excuse me. That's the right context of the word for that sticker. Sorry. I'm going to get in trouble for that one too. God's kind and his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. It is, it is his mercy that leads us to repentance. I'm not Jesus. No, I'm not. Mercy moves us to grieve and turn from our sin, not shrug it off or boast in it. We can't be perfect like Jesus, but at the same time, whoever claims to live in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, 1 John Two, six. Some of us are in the middle of sin right now, today, this week, the last 10 years, the last year, I don't know. And, and, and this encounter, the fear of God has to take place in our life. And as we stand before him, we have to look him in the eyes and see his mercy. The only de- deliverance comes through the eyes of Jesus, the heart of Jesus that delivers us from our foolishness. At the end of the day, I don't really care about the bachelorette. I say that tongue-in-cheek. It's sad. What I do care about is who's eating my fruit. And and again, just for clarity's sake, way too many times my kids eat this. More than I would like to admit my wife eats this. More than it should ever be in a pastor's life. My friends eat that. But I, I, I know who I am by the grace of God. I am a sinner looking in the eyes of Jesus and asking for mercy. Because what I want, what my heart truly desires as I search this word, as I go into this word, as I dive and ask the questions and cry out to God is that people would be able to eat my fruit and be sweet and it would bring salvation and it would bring hope and it would bring goodness and it would bring kindness and it would lead them straight to the cross in Jesus. That's what I want. That's where I'm heading in my life see because what god cares about is 6.59 actually he cares about 7. Point whatever billion he wishes that none should perish and he wants you the church to produce a fruit of the fear of the lord so that others might eat the fear of god doesn't allow us to feel accepted in our sin but to be appalled by it, grieve over it, confess it, and flee from it into the arms of Jesus, who is ready to save us. Romans 10, 9, but if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, it says, you will be saved. For it is with the heart one believes and justified, and the mouth that one confesses and is saved. At Least you say, I am slut-shaming? What's your windmill today? What's your windmill? I had anger in the windmill. I had pride in the windmill. I had selfishness in the windmill. Gluttony, lust, I don't know, pick it. What's in your windmill that you follow with, yeah, but Jesus loves me? (laughs) Yes, I'm anger shaming you. I am greed shaming you today. I am lust shaming you today, envy shaming you. But I'm looking in a mirror the fear of God never wraps itself in a cloak of justification the fear of God always brings me to a place of humility be gracious to me O Lord for you do for for to you do I cry all the day finish with this As musicians come up who's eating the fruit in your life who who's eating the fruit in your life and what does it taste like? Is it sweet? Is it life-giving? Or is it like this, this is really bad. Is it like this bruised up banana? My prayer for us this morning is that we would be a people, a church, you're the church, that when we leave this place, that the fruit of God would just flow off our life. And people would Pluck it They would grab it, and they'd eat it, and their life would get changed. So as we finish here now, I, I want to pray for us, and as we come to receive communion, um, it's a time where we take our life and we just readjust it with the cross. And Oh Chris, come on, you have something you want us to add? And as we uh, well, go ahead,
2: no, that's quite all right timing for that, um, something that's very um, special to me, and for once, I didn't watch Bachelorette. I was all excited. This is the only season I haven't watched in a long time, but anyway, when she's talking about don't shame me for um, my mistakes, I've, there's a difference between a mistake that we made and then an intentional thing that we do, and I think sometimes, I mean, life is just hard. Right? Life is hard. And so I think we come up with coping mechanisms. We come up with things that we do. And it doesn't have to be going out and giving yourself, but sometimes it is doing that. Sometimes it's staying up late, having, you know, extra glasses of wine than you should. Sometimes it's shopping. Sometimes it, you know, whatever your thing is. Sometimes we do that out of a coping mechanism because we've been through something hard. And then what happens is your hard isn't quite as hard as it used to be, but you've done it for so long that it now has become a habit. And it becomes something that we do intentionally out of habit. And, you know, the world will tell you that it takes, what, 26 days to break a habit or something. But the Bible would tell you that the power of God And the power of the Holy Spirit can break those things off of us. And I believe that in this season that we're in, in our culture where so many things are accepted, part of our equipping as believers this morning is to hear when the Holy Spirit would put his finger on something and say, you have been doing this intentionally and I am asking you to stop. Because others are watching and others are walking in that same thing and they need to know that it's possible to have those things broken off of them. So when we pray, I think we should pray that it's not just something we walk out of here and make a better choice to do something better or do something different, is that we ask the Holy Spirit to break the power off of us so that the, the cycle of the lifestyle that we're in begins to change. Does that make sense? All right, Father, I thank you so much for this powerful word today, Father. May it never sound like we are taking this young girl and judging her in any way. That is not our heart. That is never our intention. But because you do love her, you do love her, and you don't love each of us. But you are putting your finger on something in us, Lord. It is sin. We don't like to call it sin. We, we like to call it our struggle. We like to call it our downfall. We like to give it lots of other names because the enemy doesn't want it to be as glaring as what it is in your eyes. But Father, I'm asking that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would come to each one of us this week. I'm asking very practically and tangibly, Lord, that you would come this week and you would begin to whisper, that as we do the thing that breaks your heart, you would begin to put your finger on it, so much so that we would have to make a choice to do something different. So, Father, would you come through with the breeze of your Holy Spirit, with the power of your word, and would you begin to break these things off of us, Lord? Would you begin to mold us and shape us into the character of your son, Jesus? Would you show us what love looks like Would you show us what it looks like to live humbly in your presence, not to be self-righteous, not to be perfect, not to be any of those things, but to be vessels through which you can move, that when somebody else is struggling with the same thing, we can say, hey, I know how that can be different for you. We know that you can do this for us, and we ask you, sir, humbly that you would come and do that in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Just, just for clarification, I, I want to make sure this isn't about Hannah. Again, I mean, this Bible has a, a picture of David and his affair and his lying and his murderous. I mean, he's got to live with that for how many years? <laughs> um, it's a principle in our own lives, and and we do pray. It's a picture that we got to look at and examine our own lives.
0: Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you were encouraged today.